0: Welcome to the Colonial Hills Podcast, a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. I'd like to invite you to take your Bible with me this morning and turn to the book of Philippians, chapter 1. Philippians, chapter 1. Each Sunday, it's been a blessing to see, one by one, the Lord bringing folks back. And we're glad to see some guests here today. It's a special joy today to see some of our college students who have returned home. And we trust that they'll have a wonderful Mother's Day and celebrate uh, the accomplishments of this past semester. I can't think of any book that is more important for our times than the book of Philippians. That's why I think the Spirit of God has led me to be moving through the book of Philippians with you verse by verse. This is a book that speaks about how to have joy regardless of our situations. Happiness after all is situational, but joy is not circumstantial. Joy is promised by the Spirit of God through the Savior himself, that we can have a wellspring springing up in us that has never abetted that wellspring of joy that God can give. So we're to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. We've opened our Bibles this morning to Philippians chapter 1, and we ought to be reminded that the Apostle Paul is writing from a Roman prison cell. And while his body has been shackled, his spirit cannot be shackled. And the joy that flows from the Apostle Paul flows to our hearts again this morning as we open to Philippians chapter 1, and we begin our reading in verse 27, where we discover how to find joy in integrity, how to find joy in integrity. Philippians 1, beginning in verse 27, "'Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs.' that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. We're gonna ask the Lord to open his word to our hearts this morning as only he can. But I'd ask you also to include in prayer this morning as we look in God's word, Pastor and Mrs. Joan Taylor. Pray for Pastor and Mrs. Taylor. I know they're watching today on live stream. Pastor fell this week and in his fall, he injured some of his ribs and he'd appreciate our prayers for his healing. And as many of you are aware, uh, Joan was recently diagnosed with Parkinson's and so they're working out the details of her care and they would appreciate our prayers. I think it also would be well for us this morning to pray for Rob Moritz. Rob has an extensive surgery that he's gonna be going through tomorrow on his back. And I know he'd appreciate the prayers of his church family that God would bring him through that very well and give him abundant strength, uh, not only through the surgery, but also through the rehabilitation that comes afterward. Then we have a very fine young man in our Congolese group, uh, Anania. This past week, Anania found from news from Congo that his father has been taken prisoner by uh, Congolese military. And we can only imagine the burden that he's carrying this morning. And I think it's well for us as a church family to carry that burden with him before the Lord in prayer. So mark somewhere to be praying for Ananiya as he's separated from his father and his father now is in custody of the Congolese military that God would watch over his father uh, during this time. Now, Father, today we thank you for the comfort of this place, We're reminded that Christians have met in catacombs in times past, and today as we meet here, we're very thankful. Thank you for this Mother's Day, for the joy of being able to say thank you to moms who have ministered so wisely and so well. Thank you, Lord, for your word. May it be in us that fountain of joy that causes us, regardless of circumstances and regardless of conditions, to have unconditional non-circumstantial joy, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives as we see in Your Word, Your plan for us. Lord, today I pray that Your Word would be powerful to someone who may have come into this place who doesn't know Christ as Savior, that the gospel would be shared. And for some who have come into this place who are discouraged, Lord, that they be encouraged today uh, by the wonderful Word of God that we consider. For some who have backslidden, bring them back, And Lord, for these special needs this morning, for Rob Moritz, as he goes through surgery, give the doctors special skill and may his rehabilitation go very well. We pray for the tailors today, thanking you for their faithfulness and for their love for this congregation. We pray today that you would allow us to lift them up, not only in prayer, but also in spirit, as friends in the gospel. And Lord, that they uh, would sense your special presence today in times of healing. And we also pray today, Lord, for Anania, We ask that you'd quiet his heart and help him to know of your special care for his family, even at a time when he cannot speak to his father. We thank you that there's a heavenly father upon whom we can cast all of our care. We pray that you'd find him doing that today, that you'd give him rest to his soul. And now, Lord, may your word find lodging in us as we seek to please you by sharing it today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Integrity. Integrity comes from a Latin word to be intact. And so integrity pictures a house surviving a storm, or it pictures the heart of someone being opened up so that their character is demonstrated in places of adversity or in places of temptation. I hope all of us would desire to have integrity. Just a word for moms, this Lord's Day morning. Mom, be a mother of integrity. Define your goal this way, that you would desire to have your children grow up to be like you. Be a model of virtue and integrity. After all, the older your children get, the more clear it becomes to them, as it is now to others, the kind of integrity you display. We know that your job's not easy. Someone has said there are stages of development of a child. When they are four, they say, my mommy can do anything. At eight, they say, my mom knows a lot. At 12, they say, my mother doesn't know quite everything. At 14, naturally, mom doesn't know that either. At 18, oh, mom, she's so out of date. At 25, well, mom might know a little bit. At 35, You know, before we make that decision, maybe we should call mom. At 45, I wonder what mom would think. And at 65, boy, I wish I could talk to mom about that. If you're a mother of integrity, your children will one day rise up and call you blessed. We trust that you covet to have that experience. Do you wanna be a mother of integrity? And can I talk to the men? Do you wanna be a man of integrity? The same on the inside, as you are on the outside, the evidence of God's grace being demonstrated through you when challenges are faced, being intact when challenges come. So we open our Bibles to Philippians chapter 1 this morning. The Apostle Paul is concerned that the Philippians find joy in integrity. Now the Apostle Paul has been writing very autobiographically. He has said in verse 12, for instance, the things which happened unto me. He talks about his confidence in the Lord that the one who has begun a good work will continue it. He thanks the Philippians for their faithfulness, demonstrating that his prayers are for them always. He's been writing very autobiographically. But as we come to the 27th verse, we find this little word, only. And that little word ought to us put up a flag in our minds that says he's saying pay attention. He's saying focus in right now and he's about to write applicationally. He moves from an autobiographical section to an applicational section in the last verses of Philippians chapter one. He's concerned that the Philippians find joy in integrity and we ought to be concerned about that as well. So in verse 27 he says only, let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. And he's going to develop three essentials that I think all of us should be aware of if we would be people of integrity, if we'd be Christians who are the same on the inside as we are on the outside, then these essentials ought to be considered by us. What are they? First we're going to discover that we need to walk consistently. That's verse 27. Also in verse 27, we're going to discover that we need to work cooperatively. And then we'll discover in this text that to find joy and integrity means that we need to war courageously. If you would know the joy of integrity, then I submit to you on the basis of this text that you must walk consistently. As the Apostle Paul writes to the Philippians in verse 27, he says, Let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else I be absent, I may hear of your affairs. The Apostle Paul has earned the right to be heard. He says in verse 12, the things that happen unto me happen for the furtherance of the gospel. As he writes this letter from a Roman prison cell, he's 800 miles away from the Philippians. But they're they're able to remember that the Apostle Paul, by this time since they last saw him, has been arrested in Jerusalem, spent two years in jail in Caesarea by the sea. He's now imprisoned in Rome. He's been shipwrecked, snake-bitten, accused, stood before Felix, stood before Agrippa. The Apostle Paul's the real deal. When it comes to integrity, at every situation where he has been pressed, the sweetness of his spiritual disposition has been displayed. And so he writes to these, the Philippians, and the Spirit of God applies this to us as well. And the appeal that we see immediately is that we must walk with consistency. Paul says to the Philippians, whether I come and see you or else be absent, walk consistently. It's like a parent who says to a child, now I'm going away for a little bit, so you kids behave. Or a teacher who says to a class, I'm stepping out for just a moment to talk to another teacher or a student out in the hallway, so you guys behave in my absence. The Apostle Paul is saying, I'm not there with you, but my challenge, based on my own behavior, by the power of the Spirit of God to you, is that you as a believer walk consistently. And the Apostle Paul is led by the Spirit of God to provide some motivations for that instruction. And so we discover the motivations in this text. He motivates them to walk consistently because of their citizenship, and he motivates them to walk consistently because of the commission that they've been given. Notice with me, we are to walk consistently because of our citizenship, verse 27, only let your conversation. Now for us in the English-speaking world, typically when we read the word conversation, we think of speaking to someone, having a dialogue. But the word conversation that's being used here in the original language is the word polituo. You hear the word politic there? The Greek word polis means city. We're in Indianapolis this morning, the city of Indianapolis. The city of Minneapolis has that same common Greek word, polis, city, but polituo is broader than that. Polituo speaks of the body politic. It speaks often of citizenship. And so as the Apostle Paul is writing to the Philippians, he's appealing to them on the basis of citizenship, but not Philippian or Roman citizenship. And the Philippians knew Roman citizenship very well. They were so proud in Philippi to be a colony of Rome. In the midst of the Grecians, the city of Philippi was a Roman colony. What does that mean? in the history of the Philippians, there had been battles and even civil wars that led the Philippians to have this position that they thought to be very important. If you were born in the city of Philippi, you were born a Roman citizen. In fact, your name was put on the roll as a Roman citizen in Rome, 800 miles away. You had all of the rights of Roman citizenship, and those rights were huge and coveted. You'll remember in Acts chapter 16, the Apostle Paul had been taken prisoner in Philippi. How he had been beaten and mistreated? Until he told the Philippians that I, being a Roman, have been treated this way, and immediately their demeanor toward the Apostle Paul changed. Here in this passage, the Apostle Paul is appealing to the Philippians on the basis of their citizenship, but not on the basis of their Philippian citizenship. Their Philippian citizenship allowed them to be citizens of Rome, but here he's speaking to them of their Christian citizenship, that they're citizens of heaven. Come over with me for just a moment to Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3. In the 20th verse of Philippians chapter 3, the same word is discovered. The Apostle Paul clearly here is appealing to the Philippians to let their minds go beyond the joy of Roman citizenship and let their minds dwell on the fact of their heavenly citizenship when he says, Our conversation, our palatuo, is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. The Philippians had great honor in being Roman citizens, but they had greater honor in that they were Heavenly citizens, listen carefully this morning. We're living in a time where many people in America are talking about a nation on the brink. As people evaluate political circumstances, there's no end of discussion, dialogue, and upheaval. Many people believe our country is on the precipice. As we read the Apostle Paul's challenge to the Philippians, we need to be reminded that we have not only the joy of American citizenship, but if we've come to Christ as Savior, we have a far more lasting, far more wonderful, far more enduring citizenship. We are citizens of heaven. What a blessing in a time of political upheaval to be reminded this morning that our motivation for living consistent lives is a motivation of citizenship from heaven. And do you realize 2 Corinthians 5 says in verse 20, now then, ye are ambassadors of Christ. As though God did speak through us, be ye reconciled unto God. Philippians chapter 5 reminds us we're not just citizens, but we're ambassadors. We are Christians given an opportunity to represent the citizenship of heaven to those who are citizens of earth. What a privilege! There are those in this room today who have come through refugee camps to come to America. There are those in this room today who recently, in recent months, have celebrated having American citizenship. And while we rejoice in our American citizenship, and we really do, we rejoice even more in our heavenly citizenship. The first time I went to India, my host said to me, now tomorrow the police are going to be coming and they want your passport. what when i travel abroad i always carry my passport with me all the time i never lock it up in a safe it is always with me why because that navy blue cover with that embossment on it that says the united states of america is a comfort blanket to me whether i'm in myanmar or cambodia or zimbabwe places that are kind of precarious sometimes And so when my Indian host said, now the police are going to be taking your passport to the police station tomorrow, they're going to want to scan it and register your visit here, my immediate response was, hey, can I go with my passport? I don't want it to go without me. Because for me, that passport is always my ticket home. It tells me that I have a promise, the promise of fellow citizens and the government of my country to even in far off places be concerned about my welfare. Friend, we have a heavenly citizenship and the promise of that heavenly citizenship is found in this blessed book. The promises here are all those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And Ephesians chapter two reminds us in verse 19 that we're fellow citizens with the saints. What privileges we enjoy. Why should we be motivated to live consistent lives? We are citizens of heaven here on earth. And more than that, This passage says, be motivated because of this. Walk consistently because of your commission. Let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel. The word becometh there should be considered carefully. You might say to someone, oh, that color is becoming on you. Or that's a very becoming outfit that you're wearing today. And we'd immediately know that it displays that person well. Even so, this passage is saying, you are to be one upon whom the gospel is becoming and through whom the gospel is becoming. In other words, the good news of the gospel ought to radiate through you. You're the light of the world. The good news of the gospel ought to be spoken by you that there's forgiveness of sin. The good news of the gospel ought to be displayed by you that there's friendship with God. And the good news of the gospel ought to be displayed by you consistently, always, Always displayed because there's hope of heaven and resurrection. And so the Apostle Paul is writing to the Philippians and he's, imp- he's pleading with them, be consistent, live a consistent life. I'm always challenged by the poem that says, we are the only Bible the careless world will read. We are the sinner's gospel, we are the scoffer's creed. We are the Lord's last message given in deed and word. What if the type is crooked? What if the print is blurred? These Philippians, as they lived in the early days of the infant church, lived out the gospel before those people who lived in Philippi, and God has given it to us these 2,000 years later to live out the gospel in Indianapolis, Indiana, for his glory. A church leader of the 2nd century described the way the early Christians followed the instructions of Philippians chapter 1 with these words. While they dwell in Greek or barbarian cities and follow the customs of the land in matters of daily life, yet the condition of citizenship which they exhibit is wonderful and admittedly strange. They live in countries of their own, but simply as sojourners, enduring the lot of foreigners. They spend their existence upon earth, but their citizenship is in heaven. Can I make an appeal to you today? Listen carefully. Love America... Live for heaven. Love America and live for heaven. If you'd be a person of integrity, then the Word of God says you must walk consistently, motivated by your heavenly citizenship and motivated by the opportunity God has given to you as an ambassador of heaven to give a display of the gospel everywhere you go. So the joy of integrity, the joy of integrity means walking consistently, And if you would know the joy of integrity, this passage says you need to work cooperatively. Follow with me then in verse 27. He says, stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Notice the challenge here. With one spirit and one mind, striving together, we are to work cooperatively. How do we do this? Well, how is described for us in the text that we're considering. We're to work cooperatively by standing fast. Verse 20, stand fast in one spirit. Paul loved to use military analogies when speaking to others. And that comes up often in the way the Spirit of God allows him to write the New Testament. The little words stand fast that we read here come from a Greek word, stycho. For the Roman army to use the word stycho would immediately conjure up an image in their minds. A stycho was a defensive position of Roman soldiers. When the Roman soldiers were under attack, if the command stycho, stand fast, was given, they would stand back to back, fully armored, with their shields, Helmets on, spears out. Back to back, in a defensive position, they were in a stycho. Even so, the Spirit of God is saying, Christian, listen, you need to draw near to one another. You need to gather closely. You're in a vulnerable situation. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. And so you need to be gathering together in a defensive position from time to time so that you can be fortified in your faith by the fellowship of the saints. After all, there is a roaring lion who's going about seeking whom he may devour. And so he is telling us that we need to be standing fast. And then in verse 27, we cooperate by striving together, by striving together. He turns from military analogy now to athletic analogy. The word striving together is a Greek word soon Athaleo, soon means with, and athaleo, you can hear it, athlete or athletic endeavor. Just as an athlete is responsible to advance the cause of the team, even so a believer working cooperatively with other believers advances the baton of the faith. Has it crossed your mind this Mother's Day morning of the blessing that we have? of having the gospel and the word of God and a church in which we can gather because brothers and sisters in Christ before us through the generations have been faithful in passing the torch of faith along. Now the church will never, will never be conquered. Jesus Christ has said, the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. But we are instructed to work cooperatively, that we are to measure our ministry by moving the baton forward. So Christian, remember this morning, you and I are surrounded, the Bible says, by such a great cloud of witnesses. We're to lay aside every weight in the sin that does so easily beset, beset us, and run with patience, advance that baton. So what's he saying? Stand fast, gather together in protective discipline, so that your faith can be fortified because you're in enemy territory. And then advance the gospel with athletic discipline so that someone else will be the recipient of you passing along the baton of faith and passing along that baton of faith with wisdom. This is the challenge. But listen, when the church is divided, the cause suffers. When there are schisms among our ranks, tensions between believers, Somehow we've forgotten the instruction that ought to bring us joy, the instruction of integrity that's necessary for the advancement of the cause of Christ. Hey, friends, we have a common enemy, and the common enemy is the world, the flesh, and the devil. It's not the person sitting on the other side of the room. We have a common cause, and the common cause is to bring the gospel to someone who otherwise cannot hear. We have a common destiny. We are citizens of heaven who live here. And so we are called upon to cooperate, to cooperate with integrity so that the light of the gospel can be seen through us. And this becomes a challenge that the Apostle Paul ever so lovingly and ever so persistently is going to share with the Philippian church as he speaks to the Philippians about rejoicing in the Lord always He speaks to them also, letting this mind be in them which was also in Christ Jesus. And in Philippians chapter 2, he's going to say, let each esteem others better than themselves, serve one another. And in Philippians chapter 4, he's going to talk to Yodius and Syntyche and ask them that they be of the same mind. So I have a question I need to ask this morning. How are you doing in your relationship with other believers? Are they a point of tension for you or a point of blessing for you? Are you relationally at peace with your fellow citizens of heaven? The challenge that we're being given in this passage is to walk consistently, and the challenge is to work cooperatively And if the Spirit of God this morning challenges your heart, because when I ask the question, are you getting along with your fellow believers, and a name crops to your mind, it's time for that conviction to be dealt with. It's time for you to say, Lord, don't let me drop the baton because I'm so frail in spirit that I can't get along with my fellow believers. Pastor Phelps, that's pretty strong. That's the Word of God. The Word of God for us for this hour. Is for us to advance the cause of Christ by walking consistently in integrity and working cooperatively. And friend, if you would know the joy of integrity, you must war courageously. In verse 28, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given on the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer For his sakes. In nothing terrified. The word terrified there pictures horses being spooked and galloping away in a stampede. And so the Spirit of God is saying, don't let outside forces cause the people of God to be so frightened that they find themselves in an unsaintly stampede. In nothing terrified. So how exactly are we to war courageously? Well, the answer is found in the passage. First, we all need to expect to encounter persecution. Verse 28 says, don't be terrified by your adversaries. An adversary is somebody who's opposed to your progress. An adversary is somebody who's opposed to your position. An adversary is somebody who can be opposed to you and the gospel that you represent. For the Philippians, they well understood political opposition and political adversaries. The Apostle Paul knew the danger of political adversaries very well. After all, these were the times of Nero. And the Roman emperor Nero in 67 AD is going to set Rome on fire, and it's going to burn for nine days. And at the end of the fire, Pharaoh looking for A group upon which he could cast the blame found the Christians, this little sect of religious believers, and blamed the Christians for the fires of Rome. People picked up on that political accusation. They picked up on it so much that some believers, according to Fox's Book of Martyrs in the Times of Nero, were wrapped in wild animal skins and fed to the dogs. Other believers in the Times of Nero wore tar-covered garments, or wax-covered garments as they were put on torch stakes in the emperor's gardens and burned for their faith. The Philippians knew what it meant to be in danger of being terrified by their adversaries. Currently, listen, there are those in this room who are wondering, I wonder if I'll lose my job if my company turns against my Christian values. There are some who are wondering, I wonder if I'll lose an opportunity for educational advancement if the school that I go to hardens itself against my Christian values. I wonder how I'll endure the scoffing of family members who think it's such a silly thing for me to even be in church on a Mother's Day morning. In nothing, terrified, by your adversaries. Don't let those outside forces cause an unsaintly stampede. Stand fast. What a blessing it is to gather together and have our faith fortified so we can scatter out to have the gospel brought forward knowing that we will encounter persecution. John Wesley was so used to encountering persecution as he advanced the gospel. He was riding on his horse one day to his next appointment to preach, and it suddenly dawned on him, it's been three days, <laughs> it's been three days since anyone was cruel to me because I'm a gospel preacher. Wow, three whole days. And then he thought, I must be doing something wrong. He honestly got down off his horse and got on his knees, and he prayed, Lord, if I have wandered from the boldness that you want me to exhibit, forgive me. Lord, if there's something in my heart that's causing me to be accepted by the world round about me, forgive me. While he was on his knees, someone saw him there. They didn't hear him praying, but the person was an unbeliever who very much hated what Wesley stood for, and he picked up a rock while Wesley was on his knees and threw the rock at Wesley. Wesley moved out of the way and got up and said, thank you, Lord. I know I'm right with you today. Dear Christian friend, the Bible says all those who live godly for Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Are we willing? This passage says, not only will you expect persecution, but you should expect to endure pain. Verse 29, unto you it's given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. I circle in my Bible the word given. It's an amazing word. It's the word from which we get our word charismatic or keros or grace. It's a word that pictures something good being given to us. And of course, we would agree that it's good that we've been given salvation. We've been given on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him. That's our salvation. But good that we would suffer for his sake. Yes, That's how the Christian is supposed to look at suffering. Thank you, Lord. For after all, James chapter 1 says it's the trials of our faith that bring blessings. And so when the trials of our faith set upon us, we're to count it all joy. Thank you, Lord, for counting me worthy to endure pain. And remind me, Lord, that I'm suffering it for your sake, that through me, Through the integrity of this moment, the gospel might shine more clearly. If we're to war courageously, then we expect persecution and we endure pain. And this passage says, we expect to emulate the Apostle Paul. For unto you it's given on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him and suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me. (laughs) What? What? Verse 12 of this passage, Paul says, "'The things which happened unto me.'" Those things which happened unto the Apostle Paul, his imprisonment, his trials, his shipwrecks, his afflictions, his beatings. Then for the Christian to war courageously, there ought to be an expectation. Oh God, find me worthy to also be one who would endure for the name of the Savior who endured the cross for my sin, who died in my place, who's gone to prepare a place for me. I don't know what you're going through this morning. There might be someone here today who just this past week, situations at work became almost unbearable. There may be some who will go from this service this afternoon to visit with family members who very much oppose where you stand for Christ. You may be going through a challenge relationally or a challenge physically that's so deep and traumatic, you wonder if you'll be able to make it. This passage says there are three essentials for those who will know joy in demonstration of integrity. And those essentials we need to consider often. Oh, Lord, help us to walk consistently, remembering our citizenship and the commission that you've given to us. Oh, Lord, help us to work cooperatively Help us to stand and help us to strive. Oh Lord, help us to war courageously, expecting persecution, enduring pain, and emulating those who have gone before us, who ran the race well and passed to us the torch, undiluted and unfaded. May God help us to desire to know and show the Savior through spiritual integrity enjoy today. This podcast has been a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church, a church home for all people. If what you've heard has been an encouragement to you, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with Colonial or find more resources, you can find us online at colonialindy.org or check us out on Facebook. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you next time on the Colonial Hills podcast.